Let's turn tonight to the book of Esther. We'll be in Esther chapter number 4. Esther chapter number 4. And I mentioned to you uh, Wednesday night and then again this morning that uh, I wanted to, I was going to preach a message tonight uh, that the Lord has put on my heart that I think would be certainly appropriate to the day that we are living in, but certainly helpful to us as a church. There is no doubt that the events that have taken place, not just in our world, but in our country uh, over the last year, in some respects, have been very shocking, uh, very surprising, troubling, and uh, all of that, uh, it, we need to be reminded, God didn't catch him by surprise. And everything that is taking place is getting us closer to Christ's return, and we certainly look forward to that. Uh, but as I mentioned before, I've tried very hard to uh, keep everything that's going on in this world outside of the church so that when we come to church, we come to church, and we can get helped and we can get encouraged. Uh, the last place that we need to have a political rally is in the house of God. And uh, so I've tried very hard to do that. It has been something that I, on a daily basis for months I have sought the wisdom of God, how much to say, what not to say, and to really uh, have his leadership, because certainly this Bible is applicable to the day we live in. Uh, and we need to look through the lens of Scripture uh, to get the help we need, to get the leadership we need, to get the comfort we need. And so tonight I'm going to, uh, tonight's message will address a little bit of what's going on in this world, uh, but not as much as it will uh, what I, how I feel our response to it should be. Uh, you know, because of the history of this church and just because of the, 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 the messages that I've preached through the years, uh, that the mission of the church is very clear in Scripture. And uh, our mission is to continue. Our mission is to go on. And uh, certainly things that take place in this world, in our government, uh, in our country, affect uh, how, not necessarily what we do, uh, but it affects all of us, uh, but I want us to be helped tonight, and I'm going to be a little more scripted tonight than I normally am, because I'm just going to share my heart with you. Um, I, it, it's a wonderful thing when God answers your prayers, and uh, I've done a lot of praying. That's just a good thing to know your pastor prays, and then I've done a lot of praying for some very specific things over the last several weeks, uh, dealing with, with, with building projects and dealing with some of the things I've already mentioned. And when the Lord gives you an answer, and then round the hills of that answer, you, you sense the Spirit of God saying, there you go. Uh, there's an answer to your prayer. That's a wonderful, that's a humbling thing, but that's an exciting thing. And so uh, God has given, given me some clarity about some questions that I've had personally for years, and perhaps questions that you've had. Uh, it's been, I became your pastor eight years ago this month, and what a journey and a ride that has been. Uh, I don't know if you've ever asked the question during that time, why in the world is this happening? Why in the world are we dealing with this? Why in the world is this going on? What, what, what's wrong with you people? What, what's, you know, but I think, I think I have an answer for us tonight, and so I want us to look into the book of Esther, chapter number four. We're going to look at verse number 10 through 17. In case you're not familiar with this book, uh, Esther is the queen and she is a Jew. Uh, some wicked things have taken place and the Jews are facing uh, extermination. They're facing elimination. 
And Esther is going to find herself in a position of pressure, but a position of opportunity. Look with me at verse number 10 of Esther chapter number 4. And, and again Esther spake unto Hatach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king as the inner court who is not called, there is one law of, the, of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king should hold out the golden scepter, that he may live, but I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. Mordecai, her cousin, has come to Esther and said, you need to do something. And Esther is explaining that you can't just walk into the king. I mean, he's got a law. If you walk into his presence and he didn't ask for you, you're put to death, except he holds his scepter out and he hasn't called me in 30 days. Look at verse number 12. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise for the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return, Mordecai, this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Mordecai's response, as we've read back to Esther, is God's going to deliver. But don't think that you'll be spared if you hold your peace. Esther sends work back and explains and says, well, you fast, you pray, we're going to fast, we're going to pray. I'm going to go in unto the king, and if I perish, I perish. Many, many wonderful sermons have been preached from that passage. One particularly comes to my mind. Messages have also come from verse number 14, and that's where we'll take our text tonight. And I want you to draw your attention to the last phrase, and who knoweth whether thou art come to this kingdom for such a time as this? Notice that question, and who knoweth whether? Why was Esther queen? Could it be because God had placed her in that position for this particular event at this particular time? We fail as Christians many times. We say God always has a plan and God always provides a way, yet we fail to stop and consider whether we're part of that plan or not. We fail to stop to consider to whether or not that we can really make a difference. Tonight, I want to use that question to ask this question as the title of our message tonight. Is Emmanuel Baptist Church here for such a time as this? These are scary days, are they not? These are dark days. These are the days our founding fathers had nightmares about. But I want to ask the question, is the Emmanuel Baptist Church here at this time in history for such 
a time as this. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray tonight that you would give liberty. May the Spirit of God give me liberty as I preach tonight. May He guide my thoughts. And Father, may the Spirit of God help us as a church. Father, I'm very aware and very mindful of the fact that these are your people. This is your church. This is your institution. May what we do tonight honor you, honor our Savior. May what takes place tonight, may it strengthen us, may it challenge us, may it even convict us. And Father, may the result of the night's message, the result of the night's service, be something that resonates in eternity. Father, I pray your will be done, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. God's people faced a crisis. Their very existence was being threatened. Laws had been passed by evil and nefarious individuals working in the shadows. These laws targeted the Jews and intended to exterminate them. The hour was late, and the proverbial clock would soon strike midnight. However, in spite of the overwhelming odds and the seemingly all-powerful foe, all was not lost. For God had a plan for victory and preservation. He had placed unknowing to the king and unknowing to the wicked men, and even unknowing to many of the Jews, he had placed in a position, his chosen method of preservation. Yes, God could have raised up an army, but that's not what God chose to do. God had been working behind the scenes for some time, and he placed an individual in a position to make a difference, and that preservation, that method of preservation, is revealed in the words that Mordecai asked Queen Esther. Who knoweth? whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What a question to be asked. What a question to be pondered. Uh, Esther, or do you wear that crown for this day right here? Esther, have the events taken place over the course of time for that Queen Vashti to be removed and for you to find favor in the heart of the king and you to be put in this position because obviously God knew what was going to take place. God is always ahead of those that would work against the things of God. And what a question, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Of course, we have the benefit tonight of history and of scripture to tell us that the answer to that question is a resounding yes. She was there for such a time as this. As the story of Esther unfolds, there is an understanding that God had put the means of deliverance in place. That was not the question. The question was whether Esther was willing to rise to the occasion, and of course we know that she was. Now let's fast forward through history, thousands of years to the year 2021. Evil and nefarious men have worked in the shadows not to eliminate an opposing political party. But make no mistake tonight, the target has been God in all things that relate to Him. See, the fact that life is God's gift is not a political point. It is an attack against God Himself. The Bible is God's Word. Jesus is God's Son. 
The home is God's institution. Church is God's assembly. The earth is God's creation. Liberty is God's endowment to every man. In America has God's grace shed on it as a land. So things have taken place, and we have failed, I believe, to see many times that it is a spiritual attack against our God. What are we to do? It seems that to some that the same proverbial clock is approaching midnight, and the inevitable destruction is approaching. However, God once again has not been taken by surprise and has put the pieces in play to preserve His people. The same question must be asked, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I want to remind all of us tonight that God's cause tonight is different than a political cause. I want to remind us tonight that God looks beyond the borders of the United States of America. While many of us lament the, the, the changing of our nation, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, I want to remind you that God is, is weeping over the fact that sinful men around the world are dying and going to a devil's hell. And while we are enthralled with and devastated at some of the things that are taking place, we must stop and ask the question, not for the sake of politics, not even for the sake of, of what we would like to see, but the same question must be asked, who knoweth without come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Well, it's obvious we're here. God placed us here. God could have placed us at any time of history, but he's placed us here. He's placed us and assembled us together as his church. Make no mistake about it, only God could assemble this crew together. This is his church. He has allowed us to cross paths, and even in the last several months, as the Lord has called some among us home, we've been reminded of how interwoven our lives are and how much we share. We've shared life together, and what a joy and, and an understanding that God places a people together to do a work for him. I know the argument tonight, Pastor, the, the government is going to target churches. Pastor, the media is corrupt and complicit in the destroying of lives and propagating evil. And I would say those two statements are probably true. But let me help us tonight because recently the Lord gave me some clarity on some things that I have been wondered and praying about. Have you asked the question that over the course of the last 8 to 10 years, why have we faced the things that we have faced as a church? Why has the Emmanuel Baptist Church been betrayed by brethren? Why personally, I've asked the question, have I faced slander, accusation, targeting for personal destruction? Why have my family been targeted? Why have I been betrayed by so-called friends. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Why has the Emmanuel Baptist Church been targeted in the past by government institutions with the stated intent to close our doors? Why has media outlets done their best to disparage, target, and hate churches like the Emmanuel Baptist Church? I've also asked the question, 
God, why in the world have you moved us not to a new location once, but twice? Why have we had Sunday school under oak trees, church in a tent, school on buses, cram into a tiny building, and every attempt that we've made to build block those attempts? Why? I don't know if you've asked those questions. But I've wondered what God's plan is through this. Let me answer those questions with a question. I want you to give me your mind and your heart tonight. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? God didn't place Esther in this story the day that the crown went on her head. God placed Esther in this story for the day we read in Esther chapter number 4. It seems perhaps like a simple yet obvious answer, but it now must be framed with the events of 2020 and 2021. See, the Lord helped me. The Spirit of God has given me clarity of direction. That's why I am convinced, just as I came to you a year ago, and I said I thought this was 2020 was going to be the year that we build, but I felt very convincingly by the Spirit of God that we should not embark on that. And I think now, a year later, we've seen the wisdom because we had no idea what would take place in 2020. Just as strongly as I felt then, I feel just as strong now that we move forward, although politically, the climate was a lot warmer to what we're trying to do a year ago than it would be tonight. But I submit to you this evening that for some time, God has been preparing the Emmanuel Baptist Church not for 2012, not for 2013, Not for 2014, 15, 16, or 17, but for the year 2021 and beyond. Yes, I know and am aware of the things that are going on in our nation. I'm aware of the celebration of the murder of unborn children. I'm aware of the the, the sought-out destruction of the home. I'm aware of the mockery of the things of God. I'm aware of the attack on all that is decent and right and holy. I'm aware of all of those things. But let me just say tonight, I'm convinced, it's convinced in this preacher's heart, in this pastor's heart, that God has just been preparing us for the year 2021 and beyond. I don't just think God's going to do amongst us what he's done in the past. I believe God wants to do greater things than we've ever seen or done before. You and I have got to be reminded that God always makes a plan. God always has a way. And the same question needs to be asked to you and to me tonight. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? We can ask questions of, God, why would you allow these things to take place? Why would you allow the corruption in our own government? Why would you allow the persecution of God's people? I don't understand why God would allow this because we go from an administration that is friendly to to the things of God to one who has made God his target and his enemy. God, I don't understand why you would allow this. Oh, let me shed some light. The, The hour is late and the window of opportunity is closing, but let me say God always has a plan in place. And tonight, I'm more excited about serving God than I've ever been in my life because I believe that God has prepared you and I, not for the past, but for 2021 and beyond. So I want us focused on that question tonight. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom 
for such a time as this. Let me mention just four statements tonight and we'll be done. I do believe that the greatest days are ahead. I do believe that we're going to have an opportunity to impact our city, our nation, and our world. The things that God has been putting together behind the scenes that I believe He's about to reveal is, is really humbling, is exciting. From, from, the, from being able to help people as a church in our mini, different ministries, what God is doing in our missions program, I could go on and on about the things that God are doing that is going to give us an opportunity to have an impact on the world. Because God has prepared us, I believe. You know, you know we live in a day when people are shutting down because everything's going on. And, and I'm, I'm saying God's put us here not to shut down, but to do more. But to grow more. To, to, to do more for Him. Let me make these statements and you stay with me and we'll, we'll close before Tuesday. Statement number one is this. We must unite around the pulpit, not politics. We must unite around the pulpit and not politics. A lot of, a lot of people have lowered their influence and sacrificed their influence for the sake of politics. We must rally around the pulpit. The preaching of God's word is not a nation that needs to be awakened, but it's the pulpits of America which need to be awakened. Preaching like I preached this morning needs to be done in every pulpit, in, in every church across our great nation. It's not a nation that needs to be awakened, but the pulpits of America which need to be awakened. You awake the pulpits and you awake a nation. By the way, enlisting soul winners is a greater need than registering voters. I mean, others could do whatever they want to do, but... but, but this pastor is going to say, if we're going to assemble together, we're going to go knock door to door. We're not going to register voters. We're going to enlist people to come join us at the house of God. We're going to ask them if they know for sure where they're going to spend in their eternity. Others can do whatever they want to do. It's their right. But let me tell you, maybe we should try God's way for making an impact in a nation. Maybe we should try God's plan for, for calling a people back to righteousness. And it has to be united around the pulpit. Quite frankly, I really don't care where your political loyalties are because if we rally around the Word of God, we'll have the same purpose, we'll have the same focus. The best way to get people to vote right is for them to get saved, born again, plugged into the things of God. It'll just be a matter of time before they vote the way they should vote. But let me just remind us as well, righteousness exalts a nation, not Republicans. Christians have fallen into this trap that if we have more Republicans than Democrats, we win. Well, this election certainly proved that it doesn't matter how many you have, doesn't mean you're going to win. But you know what? My Bible's still true. Righteousness exalts a nation. You know what happened in this nation? And just to follow up what I preached this morning, what would happen is if Christians used the altar again, if Christians got back to Bethel again, 
If Christians put away their strange gods again and said, I'm going to live a righteous and a holy life, God does, it would not matter to God. You think, you think a political party is an opposition, is an obstacle to what God wants to do? No, God can bless in spite of the circumstances, and he always blesses righteousness. I want to remind us all tonight that the Bible must be elevated. The most important thing that goes on in the Emmanuel Baptist Church is the preaching of the Word of God. I enjoy our music. I love our music. I trust that you realize what a blessing it is to have the music that we have. To be quite honest with you, and and I know I'm partial. I know I'm, I'm prejudiced in this. I wouldn't trade our music for any two churches' music. As much as I enjoy that music, that's not the most important thing that goes on. It's crucial in preparing the hearts of the people for the preaching. But we must elevate the Word of God. In a day when churches, and it's been going on for some time, we have de-emphasized the Word of God. And we put the emphasis on entertainment. And it's more important that I feel good when I go home than God do business with me in His house uh, that's why we are where we are in a nation. And you and I, the Bible speaks very clearly in the book of Acts of what can happen when a church is in one accord. And I, I am less concerned about political unity than I am unity around the pulpit. Uh, we must have it around the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible elevates men, therefore we must elevate the Bible. Uh, thinking much about our nation... A story came to mind of John Hancock, one of our founding fathers. And after meeting of the Continental Congress, the the task of putting putting forth a declaration of our independence from Britain was given to Thomas Jefferson. It doesn't matter, but it was a debate of whether it should have been John, John Adams was going to write it. Adams wanted Jefferson to write it, so Jefferson took the task upon himself. And the story goes that when John Hancock read the draft of the Declaration of Independence and the thoughts of God-granted gifts, his mind went back to as a child sitting on the church pews as his father who pastored, preached the Word of God. In his possession were the handwritten sermons, word for word, of messages that his his father had preached. And how when he saw what was going on in the liberties they sought for, his mind went back to what the Bible had etched in his heart and it brought back that what the Bible, that this driving force this whole time was something that was instilled in his heart as a child. And a lot had taken place since he was a child. His father passed away, and he went and lived with his aunt and his uncle, and that's how he found himself. But isn't it amazing that in the founding of our nation, it was still the Word of God that guided men and gave the foundation for men to, to draft the very things that we have. It is about God. It is about the Word of God. And if we elevate the Bible, the Bible will elevate men. Strong preaching builds strong Christians. If that is true, and I believe that it is, then weak preaching produces weak Christians. 
I have made the commitment to you, and I'll remind you of it, that uh, if nothing else, I'm going to always preach the Word of God from behind this pulpit. And we must never tired of the preaching of the Word of God. I said, number one, we must unite around the pulpit, not politics. Number two, we must consider the next generation. If you... There, there's much in the Bible to be studied. There's, there's one thing, if you study the, study the Scripture, there's one thing that's always true. There's several things that's always true, but the, the point I want to make tonight is this. Notice how many times, especially the Old Testament, there arose another generation. You ever read your Bible? Let me just end right there. And read that question, or read that statement, and there arose another generation. And there arose another generation. I remind you, as we went through Deuteronomy through our Sunday school series this past year, God called the generation that didn't go forth by faith an evil generation. Joshua, at the end of Joshua, he says, as for me, decide which God you're going to serve. Decide if you're going to serve the gods on the other side of the river or the true God, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They're in the promised land, and Joshua dies, and that next generation begins to worship the gods of that land. You can lose much in a generation. And there's been a lot of preaching on that, and rightfully so. We need to always be aware that we are not promised even freedom from one generation to the next. This is a blessed church. This is a church that God has used. This is a generational church. There's senior saints all the way down to the nursery tonight, but God has blessed this church for a considerable amount of time. And if we're not careful, we'll think that is just a birthright of ours. One of the saddest verses in in Scripture to me is when Samson went to get out of his trouble and he wist not that the Spirit of God had left him. And there's a lot of Christians who go through the motions today because God had blessed them one time but the Spirit has left them, and we need to make sure that we're doing the things that we're supposed to do because we have to consider the next generation. We can lose the blessings of God, and in a nation, we can lose the hand of God in a generation. In my have the decisions that have been taking place in our nation 30 years ago, they're bearing out today. Compromises politically, but more importantly spiritually, 40 and 50 years ago are playing out today. Might I say to the Emmanuel Baptist Church, there is nothing you and I can do about what a previous generation did. But there's a lot you and I can do considering the generation that follows us. And if it can be lost, as I had one older preacher say to me, to Brother Neil, our generation, we dropped the ball. That doesn't mean we have to drop the ball. That doesn't mean we don't make our decisions based on the next generation. It is important for you and I to understand that we have a responsibility to reach the next generation, to influence the next generation. That's why God has enabled us the ministries that has enabled us, from our Sunday school ministry to our Christian school. And quite frankly, we need to all step up to, first of all, stand where we need to stand for that next generation, but make an effort to reach the next generation. There's a lot of things that have taken place from our relocation to the pandemic 
to a lot of fear and unrest. But the days that we have enjoyed of reaching the multitudes and masses don't have to just be a memory. The opportunity is still here, but we've got to keep that in mind as we make decisions to move forward. When we vote to move forward in building a building, it can't always be so we can get six inches of cushion so we can have an opportunity so that we can pick up some boys and girls and preach the gospel to them so that we can invest in our Christian school and our Sunday school ministry so that the next generation can have an opportunity that perhaps that we did not have. My attention goes to verse 14 when Mordecai reminds her, if you hold your peace, thou and thy father's house. It wasn't just Esther who was putting it on the line. It was those in her house. You know, we, I wonder sometimes, if, while we don't think about the consequences of our decisions more, there are churches that used to be soul-winning churches and they've given it up. Well, it's 2021. People just don't get into that nowadays. I wonder if they never think about the fact that they're just going to let a generation die and go to hell. The pastor, that puts pressure on us. That's the intent. The fact that people are dying and going to hell ought to put enough pressure on us. We must consider the next generation number three. We must be dedicated to the cause. When it came down to it, Esther did what she needed to do, and she was willing to give her life. The end of verse number 16, she says those famous words, and if I perish... I perished. Esther was not going to live her life playing it safe. Mordecai, don't you know I'm the queen? Mordecai, don't you know what, what I have? Don't you know the luxuries that I enjoy? Mordecai, don't you know what you're asking of me to put it all on the line? And, and, and if, if she was like some... She would rationalize how, well, even, even if, if everybody is, is, is killed, and still I'll be in a position to still do greater things. When God had put her in a position to do what only she had the ability to do, and that was to intercede on behalf of the future of her people. And she was willing to perish I wonder how many Christians it could be said about in the year 2021 with the change that is in the air. Could it be said as it was said about the men on the pages of the book of Acts that they hazarded their life for the cause of Christ. And quite frankly, Christ is coming again. And let me remind us there is a real heaven and a real hell. And the church is to be busy in reaching this world for Christ. No matter who's politically in charge, we are to do the work of God. And we need to quit playing it safe. Well, pastor, what happens if, if this takes place? Well, I guess we'll just deal with that when it comes. We've dealt with it before. We need the mindset as God's people. I'm going to do the work of God. The souls of men are worth it. That The lives of men are worth it. And if I perish, I perish hard to say we're dedicated when we can't even be faithful to church, though, isn't it? It's hard to say we're dedicated when we don't pick up our Bible except on our way to church. 
It's hard to say we're dedicated when we tip God and don't tithe to God. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not excited about some of the changes that have taken place. I'm not excited about the attack on the things of God. But I am interested to see who really loves their country. I'm interested to see if God's people are going to get back to Bethel. If God's people are get back to the altar. We've tried the political rallies. We've tried to pat on the back to the elected officials. And that's gotten us nowhere. Compromise has gotten us nowhere. Maybe we should try what God says. If we humble ourselves and confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways, if God's people would just be pure again, if God's people would just live holy again, if God's people would separate themselves from this world again, I believe God would move. I love America, and we can't even be faithful to church. I love my country, but we'll take the world over the things of God. It's hard to not be dedicated if we're not, say we're dedicated if we're not serving. It needs to be pointed out that she requested for Mordecai to fast and pray. She says she would fast and pray. And just since I'm just throwing it all out there tonight, I'm not interested in having a prayer vigil or a prayer call or prayer with people who I don't even think know God or have compromised this book. But you know what we need as God's people? We need to use the church altar again. We need, to get, we need to get on our knees in our prayer closets again. We need to be dedicated enough to do business with God and have the mindset, if I perish, I perish. I said all these things tonight to get us to the last point, and the last point will always also lead us into the invitation. We'll conclude with the last point this evening. The last statement tonight is this. We must be willing to lead. Esther had a platform that did not make her a leader. She was willing to lead to make a difference. To tie in with what I've already mentioned at the beginning of the message, what the Lord has, I believe the Lord revealed to me about what He's been preparing this church to do. I believe God has allowed us to fight the battles we have fought to endure some of the things that we have endured for such a time as this. I believe, and I'm just speaking from my heart tonight, as a pastor to his people, I believe that we have been thrust into the position we have when we didn't seek it. I believe God has given us, because of some things that we have endured and been through, the opportunity to lead. This I believe, as sure as I'm standing here tonight. Just as God put some things in motion years before Esther chapter 4 to put Esther in a position to lead and save His people, God has put some things in motion 
to get us to where we can be an example, a lighthouse, and make an eternal difference. 2021 is not the year you would think for a church to embark on what we're about to embark on. I mean, don't we know what's going on in this world? But I believe if we can do the things we did, if we can have church in a tent, if we can have three Sunday morning services, if we can, I don't even, I mean, it, you think about this, folks. Before God brought us to this property, we, we had to have, we have all kinds of ministries. We had to have a ministry on Sunday when it rained just to tow people out of mud holes. Some of you remember that well. But sharing my heart tonight, I've often asked God, God, why? why? I know God's always had a reason, but God, this is, these are the best people in the world. And the fact that you'll let your pastor stand up and say, I believe God wants us to go across town to Jacksonville because he has something for us there and leave what we left behind to do all that? Y'all are crazy or great people of faith, one or the other. Or a little of both. I think God has used the things in my life. I think God used our journey to here. Because he wants to do great things. I mean, he's put us on the corner of Normandy Boulevard and the First Coast Expressway. He's put us in a 30-minute drive to six different counties. He's put us within an arm's reach of more than a million people. I believe God has positioned us that when others are retreating, not because we're better, but because God has prepared us and, and put us in a position to reach people. So let's be quite honest. We're not supposed to be here. This building's supposed to be empty. You're not supposed to have the joy of the Lord on your face. Things should not be moving as they are moving. But I'm telling you tonight, God is prepared to do what only God can do, but a people have got to be willing to lead. And I'm making the commitment to you tonight in a public manner that I'm willing to to lead. I'm willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary so that I can lead in a better way, that, that, that I can serve in a greater way. And we as a church have got to decide we've got to rise up by faith and we've got to be dedicated and we've got to, we've got, we've got to do the things that the opportunity God has given us. And I promise you we'll make a difference in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll make a difference in the state of Florida. I believe we can make a difference in our nation and in our world because I believe God has prepared us not for 2019, not for 2020, but I believe he's prepared us for 2021. He knew the things that would take place, and God moved us and put us here for this time in this year to do what he'd have us do. February 28th is our kickoff Sunday. I'll say more about this in the future. But there's trees coming down on this property. 
buildings are being built. But how fast, Pastor? I believe by this time next year we'll be close to being in new buildings. North Florida Baptist College is just getting started in its influence and its ability to train people for the ministry. The ministry God's given us to bring in publications. We're quickly approaching our 100th book printed, Preserving the Truths. The Lifeline newspaper began as an idea a year ago. This next issue, 10,000 issues will be in the mail. The greatest days are ahead for our Christian school. And I believe in 2021, I, I feel very confident that that action item of a daycare is going to get checked off. God has some wonderful things prepared for His people. I don't know if this helps you tonight. But when God made some things clear to me, it certainly helped me. And my goal tonight is just to share my heart with my church, to share my heart with us as a people. Because there is some apprehension. There, there, there is some concern, and quite frankly, we are prone to be gloom and doom and forget that God's church has always flourished in the most difficult of times. Therefore, we should not be discouraged. We should be excited at the opportunity that is ahead of us. Are we going to have some battles? I'm certain of it. It's a good thing we're, we're battle-tested. Is there going to be some challenges? I'm certain of it. But it's a good thing we've always trusted the Lord and moved by faith. I wonder what miracles God wants to do in 2021. I believe they're big. I believe they're great. But you know, God had to test His people. And would they follow me here? Would they follow me here? Would they stand here? Would they fold here? Would they continue to march on? Will they continue to care for people? Will they continue to reach the lost? Did he put you in a position he can bless? My challenge tonight is, will, can, can we fulfill? Will we fulfill what I believe God has for us? Tonight, let's, as we close the service, let's, let's search our own heart. Let's search our own heart. Let's evaluate our faith tonight. Well, if you've been discouraged by the political happenings in this world, why don't you talk to God about that? I don't know if you get the sense from your pastor, but I'm not discouraged. I'm not, not going to tell you that there's some things that took place that weren't, disappoint, were, were, weren't disappointing to me because they were. But oh, what an opportunity ahead of us. I'll, I'll close with this right around the day of the election. I got troubled about something. I mentioned it one time from the pulpit. 
we sure did a lot more praying before the 2016 election than we did before the 2020 election. I remember in my own prayer saying when all, all of those things begin to take place around the election day, I was like, Lord, if you'll make this right, if you'll keep Donald Trump as president, I'm going to do A, B, C, D for you. I believe you'll have given us a window and I'm going to, and no sooner had I prayed that prayer than the Spirit of God rebuked me. And I changed my prayer. God, no matter who is president or whether or not we even have a president, between me and you, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E. Uh, why don't we all tonight, because what's coming is big. It's going to take a big God to do a big work. Aren't you glad you have a big God? I'm glad I have a big God. Father, I pray to